We got some major breaking news. Donald Trump and the DOJ have dropped the hammer on the far left extremists. It now seems that our statues and monuments will be protected this coming July 4th. We're going to see the prosecution of many Antifa and far left extremists. And they have actually just announced that they have arrested the arrested the quote ringleader in the attack on the Andrew Jackson statue by the White House. This is big news. For a long time, I had been saying Trump needs to do something. Now, a lot of people were concerned that Trump would take the bait, as it were, rush out to the Chaz, invoke the Insurrection Act, send in the military, and then the media and the left would call him a dictator and say, here it comes. Trump is trying to take control. But he didn't do it. And so we ended up seeing a bunch of extremists attack people, burn things down. We have this really weird story out of Portland. Andy No tweeted about it. I guess they burned and destroyed a statue of an elk because woodland creatures, I guess, are symbols of oppression, whatever. Well, Donald Trump didn't need to do this. The first thing he announced was a task force. So I have that story as well. They announced that uh, they were going to go after these far left, far left extremists. They were going to be facing 10 years in prison. Some charges were announced. A person got arrested. Trump then tweeted out the images of many of these extremists. What did we see from the media and Democrats? Antifa is an, is imaginary, Jerry Nadler says. The media comes out and says, Trump is just obsessed with Antifa. Oh, it's meaningless. Antifa is very real. These extremists are clever, and they're using modern tactics and techniques to circumvent the journalists who should be reporting on it, and also the law. I think about journalism, you know, 100 years ago, and there's a funny meme going around. You know the meme where you got the two dogs, and one's super ripped, and one's really scrawny? Well, the super ripped dog says, I'm going to cover this story, even if it means these people will take my life. And then the scrawny dog is journalism today. Someone called me a mean name on Twitter. How is it that the journalists who should be investigating and exposing these extremists are in league with them and targeting the president instead? Unfortunately, it's actually very simple. And I think whatever this problem is, it affects the police in some ways, too. It's the path of least resistance. Journalists want to get a juicy story. They're legally protected when they insult Trump. But if they come after Antifa, you'll be attacked. They'll target you at home. And this affected someone like Andy No. And it turns out this man, this ringleader who was who was just arrested by the feds, uh, allegedly had attacked Jack Posobiec, a conservative personality as well. And now you know why many of these journalists just fall in line, because they don't want to wait, wait around to see which one of these extremists will threaten them. And it's bad enough they get harassed on the internet. But let's read the story and see exactly what's going on with Trump. We got big breaking news about this upcoming 4th of July. The DHS is being deployed. I believe it's the Federal Protective Services will go out and defend monuments. That's a big, bold move. That's Trump literally doing something and Bill Barr doing something as well. I got to say, kind of impressed. It's not some ridiculous authoritarian measure. It's not bringing in the troops. It's just some federal cops going to go stand around some statues. Hey, that's something, right? That's better than nothing. And these prosecutions, what can I say? Let's read the story. But before we do, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There's many ways you can help me out. There's a PO box where you can send me stuff if you would like to. But the best thing you can do is share this video. Share this video to let people know that if you go around destroying our artifacts and monuments, our history, our statues, without the democratic process, by means of force, you're going to get arrested. Now, unfortunately, we are seeing many executives in various jurisdictions just taking the statues down anyway out of a fear of violence. And that to me is disgusting. Many of these statues deserve to come down, in my opinion. 
the Confederate statues, for instance. But they have to be brought down by a vote, a democratic process in which we, the people, decide should the stay or should it go. Now, I got all the I got all these different feelings, right? Everybody's got feelings. But just because I feel a certain way, I don't like the Confederate statues doesn't give me the right to tell you you have to live the way I want you to live. That's not that's no way to live. So this will be a reminder to everybody that the DOJ, that the government law enforcement is, is, is kicking into full gear and the hammer is being dropped on those who would try to suppress the rights or circumvent the rights of the democratic process to instill their authoritarian worldview and their sense of justice. So yeah, share the video. But if you just want to watch, then hit the like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell. Let's read the first story from Fox News. Feds arrest ringleader, an attack on Andrew Jackson statue by White House. Jason Charter was arrested at his residence Thursday morning, sources say. They say federal law enforcement officials on Thursday arrested a man in Washington they call a ringleader in the recent attempt to destroy the Andrew Jackson statue in Lafayette Square near the White House. Law enforcement sources tell Fox News that Jason Charter was arrested at his residence Thursday morning without incident and charged with destruction of federal property. These sources add that Charter was has connections to Antifa and was in a leadership role on the night of June 22nd when a large group of protesters tried to pull down the statue. I'm sorry, I get it, Fox, but they're not protesters. Call them something else. Rioters? Now, protesters, not the right word for this. They're trying to destroy public property. I don't know. Extremists? Whatever. They were very organized, a federal law enforcement official said. Charter was on top of the statue and directing people. They had acid, chisels, straps, and a human chain preventing police from getting to the statue. Charter is expected to make an appearance, likely virtual, in U.S. District Court in Washington on Thursday, Fox News is told. Protesters say the Andrew Jackson statue is offensive because he was a slave owner and because of his treatment of Native Americans. You know what? I agree. It's absolutely offensive. 100%. Now, what do you do about it? You propose something. You take it to the city council. You've got the mayor on your side who painted Black Lives Matter on the street. Certainly, you've got sympathetic local leaders. You state your case. You, you, make your, you, you, you give your, your, your argument, and then people vote. And guess what? They're likely going to vote against you. Well, that's a reality. This guy was a president of this country. There's a big statue of him for a reason. People like the guy. They're likely not going to agree with you tearing it down. But I tell you this, we are a country of reform. Changes can be made. This is not the way. This is, it's not how you get what you want. It's how you end up in prison. And now potentially these people are facing well, 10 years. Now, outside of this, the rioters, woof, Trump is dropping the hammer on these people. I'm just going to say it again. He, he, he dropped <laughs> banging the gavel. Some of these people are facing decades for the rioting, but let's read more. A magistrate judge in Maine has transferred Lloyd's case to federal. Oh, I'm sorry. Another man, Graham Lloyd, 37, turned himself in for similar charges in Portland, Maine, and had an initial appearance in federal court there on Wednesday afternoon. Lloyd is also accused of destruction of federal property for his role in the attempt to take down the Jackson statue. A magistrate judge in Maine has transferred Lloyd's case to federal court in Washington, D.C. These arrests come in the wake of the June 24th executive order signed by President Trump intended to protect monuments and statues. Trump tweeted, I just had the privilege of signing a very strong executive order protecting American monuments, memorials and statues and combating recent criminal violence, long prison terms for these lawless acts against our country. We also heard that. Uh, so, so I'm going to give you a quick update here. This is just for those that aren't familiar. Following the executive order, Bill Barr formed a task force to counter anti-government extremists, not just the far left, also the Boogaloo boys, the more crazy fringe element that want some kind of civil war. 
they're not just targeting the left. They're targeting the right. They're going after anybody who's going to violate civil rights. So what do you want me to say? Is that a conservative position? No. You know, it's, it's, it's pointless to even try and argue what left and right is at this point. Anybody who opposes Antifa is far right, even if you support the government's efforts to track down and enforce the law against any extremist left or right. I'm totally down for it. You want to go after Boogaloo Boy extremists? All right. Glad to see it. I want to see calm, rational discourse. I want to see regular Americans sitting down and having debates. I want to see votes. I want to see real reform. I'm all in favor of police reform. I'm all in favor of having a discussion about these statues, but not destroying things and tearing them down. Because first and foremost, that is authoritarianism. You do not have the right to force your worldview on someone else. We all live under these systems of laws and rules, and we try to change them to the best of our abilities. So no, you can't do that. But more importantly, we need, we need to have calm discourse because if you escalate, if you get violent, then don't be surprised when other extremists get violent too. And, that's what no, and nobody should be, should, should be advocating for this. The people who advocate for this do not understand what life is really like in a conflict zone. Bill Barr recently issued a statement after the closing of the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone or the CHOP in Seattle, saying that he commended the police chief, Carmen Best, for her courage and leadership in restoring the rule of law in Seattle. I'm not going to read through everything, mostly because it's just a general statement saying, you know, the rule of law has been restored and because this wasn't necessarily Trump's action. But I highlight this just because Bill Barr is stepping up and saying, restore law and order. Those who do, you have my respect. Which brings us now to the next big story. This, this is it. This is great. I'm happy. I'm very, very happy here. I put out a tweet. I was very angry. And I said, Trump needs to get off his butt and go do something about everything that's happening. And a lot of people agreed. A lot of people got mad and said, what is he supposed to do? The federal government can't intervene in the state's issues. And I'm like, that's a good point, man. I'm not saying Trump should be invoking the Insurrection Act or he should be sending out uh, tanks and soldiers or whatever. Some people wanted him to do it. In fact, I think 58% of registered voters, according to a morning consult poll, said, bring in the military. Well, I don't know what the answer was. All I knew is it felt like Trump wasn't doing enough. And as I said in the past couple of days, it seems like he was just doing the bare minimum. Like he knew there were some things he can do to protect federal property, but he wasn't going to be protecting anything else because, well, the riots helped him. Well, okay, I'll stand corrected on that one. Trump and Bill Barr are taking some action. The Department of Homeland Security is deploying special federal unit to protect monuments over the July 4th weekend amid vandalism fears. Now, presumably just over the 4th of July. Glad to see it. We've got the full buck moon, which is the uh, July, I believe, full moon. And I guess a full lunar eclipse. So it's going to be a crazy night. But I'm glad to see that there will be, I believe it's Federal Protective Services going to be coming out and defending these statues and monuments because there are extremists who seek to tear them down and destroy public property. And unfortunately, even amid Trump's executive order, these states are defending them. I find it creepy. I find it creepy that, say, in Philadelphia, a bunch of extremist wackos can show up, demand a statue of Christopher Columbus be torn down. Residents, locals who actually live here say, no, this is not Seattle. Get out of here. And then the city goes, oh, well, because of the threat of violence, we're going to tear it down anyway. So you just give in to the extremists, defend the residents, defend the locals. I certainly hope the people in Philly vote these people out, vote that mayor out, vote the governor, get, get rid of all of them. They won't stand up for the people who actually live there, but they'll, they'll stand up for the weirdo fanatics of intersectionalism who show up with crowbars and ropes to tear down and destroy public property. I'm glad to see Trump is, is making this move. You know, finally, something is getting done. Fox News reports DHS will be forward leaning 
in preparing to protect federal facilities and property. So it really does still seem like it's just about federal property, but there is federal property across this country. They report DHS is deploying a special federal unit across the country for the 4th of July weekend in order to protect federal monuments and statues from a possible fresh wave of vandalism. The upcoming July 4th holiday weekend has the potential for increased disruptive activity at specific locations across the country that could threaten our personnel and the federal facilities and property they protect. A soon to be released memo penned by acting DHS secretary Chad Wolf and obtained by Fox News says DHS will be forward leaning and preparing to protect federal facilities and property. Rapid deployment teams from the Protecting American Communities Task Force, PACT, that's a great name, and consisting of law enforcement officers specially trained in areas such as crowd control and riot control, will be dispatched to Portland, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. Wow! Those are hot spots. Those are the hot spots. So that's, this is bold action. Additional RDTs will be dispatched regionally so they can be flown into any other area within a few hours should unrest spark up in other cities across the U.S., this is on top of federal protective service presence being ramped up in higher than uh, higher than usual for a weekend in response to potential cha- uh, to, a, to the potential challenge. Hundreds of FPS officers will be protecting facilities and DHS has identified as uh, identified hundreds more in case they need assistance is a typo there. Sorry. The move marks an aggressive response by the Trump administration to push back against the violence and vandalism seen aimed at monuments in recent weeks, an offshoot of the initial protests in response to the George Floyd incident that we get. While initial targets were Confederate generals and figures, it quickly spread to others, including Abraham Lincoln. It also spread to abolitionists, a man who died in the uh, in the Civil War, who emigrated here, a staunch abolitionist, and he fought in the, for the Union. They tore his statue down, too. And now they're burning a statue of an elk in Portland, because I guess woodland creatures are also uh, symbols of oppression. Sure. I wonder, I, I wonder if they're oppressing symbols of an oppressed group, because, you know, elk are prey for humans. So it's like, are they now the fascists? I guess. I mean, I can't imagine why anybody would want to tear down Ulysses S. Grant. I mean, I guess you can argue he's a president, but what about the abolitionist guy in Wisconsin? Now, that just seems weird. They say in D.C., protesters recently tied ropes and tried to statue, uh, t- uh, topple a statue of Jackson. The breaking news update now being the dude actually got arrested. But it's not just this. Donald Trump, when I say he's dropping the hammer, I'm not talking about a couple of arrests here and there. I'm not talking about some dudes showing up to stand in front of a statue and say, no, Terry, down my statue. I'm talking about Trump's Justice Department targeting Black Lives Matter demonstrators as domestic terrorists. Nice try, Vice. Can't believe I I used to work for this company. It's so sad, isn't it? Vice used to travel some of the most dangerous places in the world, talk to gang leaders. I know I did it. Now they're now they're trying to conflate extremists who throw Molotov cocktails at cops with the demonstrators. Listen, man, I have praised the demonstrators who went out and laid in the street in a mass. And it was, I guess you can't call it a die in. It was like an arrest in where everybody shows up and they lay down, put their hands behind their back. That's peaceful protest, man. You, you, have, you have my respect and support with all that peaceful protest stuff, even though I disagree with your cause. 100%. I support your right to speak up and, and, and engage in these protests. As much as I can complain about the ideology and all that, I love the fact that we have free speech. I don't love the people who shove with Molotovs and try and start fires and and, and burn things. But Trump is coming after them, too. The DOJ is going to be targeting these people with uh, terror charges. And Trump is and the people have been arrested for trying to tear down statues. 
haven't gotten the worst of it. And they're lucky. They're going to be facing, I guess, uh, up to a $250,000 fine, 10 years in prison. But everything that's been going on is being, look, it's, it's obvious this stuff happens, okay? We know full well these things happen. We know who's doing it. We know who the far left is. We know some of their names. Just follow Andy No on Twitter. I've now referenced him three times. He testified for Congress recently, remotely, mind you. But he knows the names of these organizers. Antifa is very real. Take a look at this story. The Democrats would tell you otherwise. Why? Why are they defending these lunatics who want to destroy things? Ex-Antifa member slams Nadler for calling far left group imaginary. That's just false. Well, let's read this. And then I'll show you some more updates because the media just loves doing it. The media just loves defending Antifa. Gabriel Nadales, a former member of Antifa, responded on the Ingram angle to Jerry Nadler's statement that Antifa was imaginary. That's just false. I mean, the only thing that's imaginary here is Nadler's sense of justice. The protest, I mean, the protests I attended weren't imaginary. Also, the windows that I regrettably broke, they weren't imaginary. Yet every single time that we have left wing politicians that deny and ignore and even justify Antifa violence, it's only going to continue to grow. Yeah, it's not a left or right wing issue. Sorry. Think about the state of politics today. They would say Tim Pool is right wing. Why? Well, I don't believe uh, I don't I don't follow the narrative just because they're wrong all the time. It's funny when people are like, did you know that Donald Trump once did this thing? And then like a day later, it's like Donald Trump didn't actually do thing. Correction issued. So is it surprising when I'm like, no, that's not true. Trump didn't do that. And they get mad at me for saying it. That must be right wing. Why? I don't support for the most part his policies or Republican policy. There's a few things I overlap on because most regular people would. Yeah, this is where we are today. You must support Antifa as they tear things down, destroy things, threaten lives, literally kill people in Seattle. Otherwise, you're right wing. Is that is that for real? Is that where we are today? Sorry, I'm not interested in playing that game. Antifa is very real. And the tactics they use are clever fourth generational warfare tactics and moving into fifth generational warfare. I'm not an expert on on fourth and fifth generational warfare, but the general idea is in fourth generational warfare, Antifa purposefully acts as a cellular structure, meaning the parent organization is kind of a call sign where they know if you have the tattoos, if you have the flag, there's no real leadership, but they know they can, that you'll provide them with resources, safe haven, organizational infrastructure, etc. By not having a, a parent hierarchy, they avoid their leaders being arrested. What they do have, though, are cell level leaders. So there are certain named branded cells. They have legit names. They fly the flag. They use the symbol. And there are leaders and organizers. This guy knows it. This guy is saying straight up he was a member of an Antifa group. They have they have logos. OK, I'm tr- I tried to avoid naming them. So forgive me. But yes, one of the most prominent is Rose City Antifa. I'll name them just because everybody knows. This is an organization with named members, with named leaders, with financing funding, and they, 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 they pretend like they don't exist. You also have other organizations like By Any Means Necessary, straight up call themselves Antifa or Antifa groups. And it's part of the same ideology. It's the far left intersectionalism and, and communist uh, ideologies. But the reason they don't have a, an, an appointed hierarchical organization under the brand Antifa, it's an umbrella for all their organizations, is that the police would immediately go in and arrest and, and, and arrest them. So when you see people like Nadler and you see the media rush to the defense, Trump's Antifa tweet is right wing catnip with potentially troubling consequences. Scant evidence of Antifa shows how sweeping the protests for racial justice have become. 
Here's one. Understanding Antifa. What do anti-fascists in Chicago want? Trump declared them terrorists. Local members say nothing could be further from the truth. Thank you for all of the support you're giving to them. The best example of the strategy is the Washington Post. Scant evidence of Antifa. Are you nuts? No, you just don't do your jobs. You're not journalists. That's the thing. You've done, you've done not even a Google search to see. They're not going to show up and loudly proclaim themselves as the leaders of Antifa unless they're doing it as a joke to make a point that they're not. But organizers for Antifa cells that can operate and cluster and join together and move around quickly that share the same ideology were involved in many of these things. If you paid attention, you'd see their names get released. I don't want to say their names, but yes. It's funny when people ask me, they're like, what are their names, Tim? I just Google it, man. Follow Andy No, okay? Because he, he, he publishes their mugshots all the time and explains who they are and what they do. And that's why they really, really hate the guy. They smear him with, with uh, uh, you know, every name in the book to go after him because he's the one who's putting out their names and, and, and doing the real work and they beat him up for it. Yes, they exist. They're real. And there is evidence. Here's the thing, though. You see, the Washington Post doesn't understand that Antifa related groups use this this new generational these new generational tactics to avoid being named in the press, to being named by police, to manipulate and exploit our justice system. They want regular people to show up wearing all black. That's why they say, come on, protest, wear all black. That way they can get away with crimes and you will get arrested for it when you show up. They use these tactics. They are loopholes in the system. Take a look at what happened on Trump's inauguration day. I believe it was inauguration day in D.C., they told everybody to show up and wear black. That way, then when they went around destroying things, the cops couldn't do anything about it. They arrested everyone and they tried leveling conspiracy charges against people for wearing black hoodies and black pants, arguing that they were aiding and abetting those who would commit violence by shielding them. They failed. The tactic worked. Antifa organizers and individuals were able to wreak havoc on D.C. using regular activists as human shields, and the cops couldn't do anything about it because we have a justice system that seeks to protect the innocent. They are exploiting our goodwill. It is what they do. So please stop defending them, because I'll show you what. Check this out. Cassandra Fairbanks tweeted, the dude, this dude, the one who assaulted Jack Posobiec and called my phone late at night like a weirdo, has been arrested by the feds for being one of the ringleaders trying to pull down the Andrew Jackson statue. She is straight up saying this is the guy who attacked Jack Posobiec. They have names. They know who these people are. The guy's name who got arrested today is Jason Charter. They know who's organizing it. They know who's leading this. People don't randomly just learn how to tear down statues. They said this guy was on top directing people. What would you call that? Why? I'd call that a leader. Oh, but they'll call it uh, uh, decentralized. Sure, call it whatever you want. During Occupy Wall Street, they specifically said they don't want any leaders to be publicly identifiable because they will be targeted, smeared and arrested and it'll make the, the, the rest of the protest look bad. It wasn't just about getting arrested because even when you do overtly legal things, their concern, you get one leader figure and they become high profile and then comes the cancel culture. Then comes stories about how they're actually evil and they're racist or whatever, all these awful things. And then they say, your whole movement is is supported by this. So they don't like it. That's what they say about Trump. They say, oh, but if you're conservative, that means you're supporting Trump. And because Trump is this, so are you. That's why these people try to avoid having named named leaders. But the leaders do exist. They just try to make sure no one knows they're actually the leader. Do you think that all of these people know where to show up, when to show up? 
can afford to, to, to drive out here without support, they have support. They are organized. Stop pretending like they're anarchists. But this is what's going on. I want to show you this. Andy No tweeted, the elk statue in downtown Portland is now fully engulfed in flames. I have no idea why. But uh, unfortunately, this is YouTube, so I do have to blur out the, the fire and stuff. I just wanted to highlight this. I found it particularly funny. So look, Trump is dropping the hammer. And the 4th of July is just a couple days away. We're going to see a ton of celebrations tomorrow. And then on the actual 4th of July, there is a fear that these people will be emboldened, especially considering it's the 4th of July. There's supposed to be some big event in Gettysburg where Antifa shows up and burns flags. And people are concerned there's going to be some kind of spark. So it's good to see that the government, that, that, that Trump and law enforcement, DOJ, actually going to go out and do something. I'm sorry, DHS and the DOJ as well. Hopefully it results in justice and the people, these extremists, get held to account. But we'll see how things play out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. In Chaz, before it was completely destroyed, a bunch of the Chazistani National Guard opened fire by some witness accounts for over 10 minutes, unloading 300 rounds into a vehicle, killing a 16-year-old boy and critically injuring a 14-year-old. We now have witness testimony. Someone was apparently on the phone with them saying exactly what happened. This kid was told to be to go to Chaz to be safe. There, there's no evidence to suggest this kid was shooting. We have now somebody who's on the phone with him saying what happened. And his last words were, I don't want to die. But the first thing I want to talk to you about is this viral video. It's got around, around four and a half million views. And it shows a white woman holding a pistol, telling someone uh, filming to back away, to get away from their vehicle. According to the story, it was a black family. And of course, this one is divisive with many people saying the white woman's a Karen and she's crazy and she drew up in for no reason. But I'm sorry. There's a reason why I opened with the first story about Chaz and then came to tell you about this viral video. But I also want to tell you about what happened in Provo, which again, if you've been following my content, you know, somebody ran up to an SUV and shot the driver for no reason, for, for, for no logical reason, I suppose. I guess this person was saying that the driver was dangerous and was heading towards the crowd. So he had no choice but to run to the car when it was stopped and shoot the driver. This tension that everyone is feeling, people are being wound up so tight. I think this story of the woman with the handgun is one of the most important stories happening right now in the country because it's not a high profile protest. It's not a high profile individual. It's not a mayor, not a governor, not an activist. It's just regular people. And people are so on edge that this woman drew a gun on a family because she probably felt threatened. And I wonder, because now she's been arrested, what will happen if slash when she ends up, because she had to get arrested, maybe they'll, they'll drop the charges, maybe there, maybe, maybe there won't be any. What happens if she goes to court and explains everything that happened in this country and why she felt like her life was being threatened? Would a reasonable person consider that with everything we've seen with the rioting for a month straight, that, you know, they, they would conclude it is reasonable to fear for your safety in these circumstances. I don't know for sure, man, but the point is on the IRL podcast the other day and the day before, we were talking about someone doing something stupid. The Chaz shooting where this kid lost his life, they did something stupid. And the funny thing is the mayor still didn't come in. It wasn't until they went to her house that they actually decided to intervene. But now we're seeing, I mean, the difficult thing here is I would consider this to be stupid. But maybe the real issue is fear and paranoia. And it's not so much that people are stupid. 
It's that they don't know how to handle the situations. They don't know what to expect. And everyone is on edge. As everybody is being wound up tighter and tighter and tighter, ready to explode, the, the, the smallest altercation or bang on the back of someone's car, and they're going to jump out armed and saying, get away. So that's the, that's, that, that's the gist of the story. They hit the back of the car and the lady gets out with a gun. Now, in any normal day, in any other year or time or month, you'd probably think this person's nuts. Someone tapped your car. What are you doing? But what, the, what do you think this woman, this, this woman with the gun is thinking? She's probably seen the videos of people being shot. She's seen the videos of people being beaten. She's seen what happened with people calling 911 and the cops don't and the cops won't show up. And so when people are behind her car hitting it, she snaps. Is it irrational? A little bit. Absolutely. But it's hard to know where the line of, you know, what is reasonable? What is reasonable now as people fear a random person running up to your car at a random, just for no reason and shooting you? Provo. Presumably this driver in Provo had no idea what was going on. Just driving down the street, there's a bunch of people. Someone runs up and shoots you. And people hear that. Let's read this story and I'll tell you what happened. Horrifying moment. A white woman pulls a handgun on a black family in a Michigan parking lot after she bumped into them outside a Chipotle restaurant. I think the important thing about this story that you're going to miss right now is they're not taking into consideration the cultural context. They might give you the context of what the event was, but they're not telling you what people's frame of mind is based on current events. A woman has been filmed holding a black woman and her 15-year-old daughter at gunpoint in a horrifying confrontation, leaving them fearing for their life. A shocking video taken by the victim shows a white woman pointing a pistol at Tequila Hill and her 15-year-old daughter, Michaela, at a parking lot outside an Oakland County Chipotle restaurant in Orion Township, Michigan. The woman was subsequently arrested. We'll see what, what happens with this. According to Hill, her daughter was allegedly bumped into by the woman as they were entering the fast food restaurant around 8 p.m. Michaela asked for an apology from the woman who began shouting at her, she alleges. Now, the important thing you need to consider is that we're getting one side of the story. And if I was going to try and be reasonable, I'd say in, in my view, she, they probably did bump into each other. And then Michaela asked for an apology. And this woman probably didn't just start shouting at her, probably said, you bumped into me or whatever, something like that. And then they both started yelling at each other. But let's read. Speaking to the Detroit News, Michaela said before I could walk into the Chipotle, this woman was coming out and I had moved out of the way so she could walk out. She bumped me and I said, excuse you. And then she started cussing me out and saying things like I was invading her personal space. Now, the reason why I don't necessarily believe that's what happened is it sounds like a dramatic escalation for seemingly no reason. I think it's possible they got into an argument. She bumped into her and said, excuse you. And then the other woman was like, I'll excuse whatever I want or whatever. And then they started yelling at each other. Here's where it escalates. The scared teenager called her mother over. I walked up on the woman yelling uh, at my daughter, Hill said. She couldn't see me because her back was to me, but she was in my daughter's face. The the, The later part of the altercation, which had moved to the restaurant parking lot, was then caught on camera. According to Hill, she thought the driver of the car with the woman inside was attempting to hit them, so she knocked on the back window of his SUV to stop him, the Detroit News reported. The passenger then emerged from the vehicle and pulled a gun on her. In the clip, she has heard saying, get away. The victim then replied, she got a gun on me. She was about to hit me with her car. Call them, get the license plate, get the license plate now, because you were about to hit me with your car. I'm sorry, man. I, I don't believe the story. Not that I think the white woman pulling the gun was in the right. Absolutely not. I think considering the circumstances, they didn't, she didn't, she shouldn't have done that. She didn't need to do it. And fortunately, nobody got hurt. 
But you mean to tell me that you got into a fight with someone in the parking lot and then for so, and somehow you found yourself behind their vehicle and then you decided to hit it? Uh, no, it sounds like two people got into it. And normally this shouldn't be news. This person who, who tapped on the back, you know, knocked in the back of someone's SUV should not have a gun drawn on them. So this woman, she got arrested for it. There you go. But these people are not trying to play the victim. The, the more important issue here is not the stupid altercation. Let's be real. I don't care what happened. What, what, what matters is we are, we are inches away. I mean, look at this video. We are inches away from someone doing something dumb. This lady clearly, in my, well, in my opinion, overreacted. But is there overreaction based on the insanity that's been going around in the country? I would, I would say so. It's also possible this lady's just nuts. And the only, the only reason we're hearing about it is because of the ongoing insanity, in which case maybe it's normal, but I don't think so. I mean, maybe things like this happen all the time. Let's read a little bit more. The woman said, don't you effing jump behind my car. Get the F back, pointing the gun straight at the victim. Actually, it doesn't look like she is pointing it straight at the victim. It looks like she's aiming it downward, but, but you know, semantics. She then walked back to the car and the pair drove away from the scene. The woman was later arrested by the police. Hill said her other two daughters were in the car at the time of the altercation, which has left the family traumatized. The video was posted on Twitter with the words, this happened today in Auburn Hills, Michigan, another Karen. The footage has since gained over 4.5 million views, sending shockwaves across the internet. It is not known if the woman was charged with any offenses. Auburn Hills Police Department confirmed the incident happened in Orion Township. I don't care about the argument. I don't care about who was right, who was wrong. I don't care about any of that. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I can be the arbiter of morality between two people when I have no idea what happened. One person's trying to claim, oh, she was doing this. The one with the gun is going to she's probably going to say that she was scared for her life or whatever the point is. In my opinion, we are seeing this because of what's happening around this country. I don't want to die. Last words of homeless 16 year old shot dead by chop security after he drove stolen Jeep in a Jeep into cop free zone for safety. We now know basically what happened. But to, to wrap up the thought on, on, on that incident with the woman, don't be surprised if people are walking around, many of them normally not armed. Now they're going to be armed on both sides, on all sides, whatever the side may be. People are now going to see this video of the white woman pulling her gun and they're going to be like, man, I better, I better get a weapon because what happens if somebody gets mad at you and pulls a gun? For all, for all we know, this white woman was truly nuts. And this, and this family in Michigan was minding their own business. And this woman just went nuts. I have no idea. The main reason I wanted to highlight this is because it feels like we are dangerously close to someone doing something stupid. That was stupid, but it's not what I mean by doing something stupid. Stupid would have been actually pulling the trigger. We saw what happened in St. Louis. Everybody's slowly freaking out more and more and more concerned about their safety. And they're not going to take anything from anybody. But let's take a look at what happened in Chaz. Because now we can see like this idea of people freaking out, the paranoia and the delusion. It, it took hold in Chaz. The story is actually quite simple. According to somebody who was on the phone with a 16-year-old, he was not shooting anybody. He, was, he, was, he, stole, he had stolen a Jeep. He had carjacked somebody. So maybe he did have a weapon. I'm not sure. And he was told to go to the Chaz for, for safety, probably because there's no cops. And they just mowed him down. One witness said 300 rounds. Now, I didn't believe that at first. I said, there's no way they, they fired 300 rounds. But according to one live stream, they said it was going on for over 10 minutes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, maybe. And it was multiple, multiple gunmen. Check out the story from the Daily Mail. The 16-year-old boy who was shot dead by CHOP security in Seattle 
was homeless and had just carjacked a Jeep when he was told by a friend to drive to the cop free zone for safety. Antonio Mays Jr. died in a hail of bullets in the early hours of Monday morning. And his passenger, a 14 year old, was critically injured after armed security guards fired on the white Jeep Cherokee, which crashed into the barriers of the Capitol Hill organized protest. Ciara Walker described the two boys as her street brothers and said Mays Jr. and the other teen had been living with her and her husband in a tent at the nearby Cal Anderson Park located just outside the CHOP zone. So they lived there. They, they lived in Chaz. She told the Daily Mail in an interview, the boys had stolen the Jeep hours before and were being followed and shot at, prompting her to tell the teens to go into the zone for safety. Walker revealed she was on the phone with the boys when they were shot, saying, the last thing I heard was a crash and a pop, pop, pop. I'm not sure who said what, but one of them said, "Aw, S, I'm hit. I don't want to die. Then the phone went dead. So we have some photos here. They say CR Walker 25 described the two boys as street brothers. We get it. Here's some photos of them doing like, a, I guess, air guitar or holding up the, the for whatever reason. Walker said she had, she, she had only known the boys for the past few months saying they were runaways. We don't know much about them. They weren't gang members, even though they hung out with the blood gang members. Walker said the two teens had carjacked and beat up the owner of the white Jeep Cherokee just hours before the fatal shooting. They held someone up at knife point to carjack the Jeep, she said. If we're going to take her word for it, and I got to admit, it sounds like she's being a bit forthcoming. These dudes weren't armed. Other witnesses, other, I don't, I don't know to what extent we can verify these things, claim that these guys were, they, they were not shooting at anybody. Apparently, the chat security were like, oh, they were, they were shooting. It was a drive-by. Not, not the case, according to several, uh, you know, at least hard to verify statements. We now have this woman saying that they beat someone up, stole their vehicle at knife point. It, she is being a bit forthcoming. She just straight up came out and admitted that. It's possible she's holding back on the story for sure. The teens were joyriding and doing stupid S, but then CHOP security started to follow them as well as other vehicles. She added both Mays Jr. and Redacted came to us and told us they were being chased. We told them to get away from them. They had told us that a car was following them with guns and another black Chevy Suburban that had the word security written on the car was following as well as shooting at them. We told them to turn around and drive to the police precinct and the chop for safety on 12th and Pine. They drove into the chop zone not to ambush the sleeping protesters, but for their own safety and ended up costing at least one of them their life. Walker said she heard several gunshots, which were too many to count, and insisted the teenagers didn't have firearms. One eyewitness said 300 rounds were fired on the night of May's killing, as the wild spray of bullets went into neighboring apartments about 100 yards away, photos obtained by DailyMail.com show. May's Jr.'s death marked the second fatal shooting in the area after a 19-year-old Lorenzo Anderson was killed on June 20th. Seattle police on Wednesday reclaimed their precinct. This we understand, and we know this. The reason I bring these stories up together is that it starts with the Chaz, the paranoid delusional state of the fringe leftists. Man, they are posting some insane, insane schizophrenic, like I, I mean it, man. I'm not trying to drag anybody. It's like schizophrenic, paranoid delusions. They can't tell fiction from reality. Their brains are fractured in, in, in several different ways. I am not exaggerating. I am not seeking to insult anybody by saying this, but I have seen the posts from these people talking about how white supremacists were surrounding them and they had no choice but to fight back. And the police undercover were coming in and executing people gangland style and all this other psychotic nonsense. They went nuts. These people have gone completely insane. The video that went viral just uh, of just before the shooting 
You have these dudes walking saying, everyone get to the police precinct if you want to be safe. It's your last warning. Warning from what? What is wrong with you people? Their brains are broken. They really started to believe their own fake reality. The insane lies they make up, the, the, the weird rumor stories circulate and enter their brains. And then they just go completely insane, see a Jeep and go, white supremacist. And they kill a 16 year old kid. Now, according to the witness, he had a knife. You want to argue unarmed? Sure, fine, whatever. Considering the fact that he was in a vehicle and the vehicle had crashed and he had posed no direct threat at that point to these people. The fact that you hear someone say, oh, you're still alive. The fact that they kept firing on this vehicle. These people lost their minds. Now, the crazy thing is you got two black teenagers, two black males gunned down. One survived. Where's the protests? Where's the accountability? There isn't any. This is this is this is well beyond. Well, well, we are we are in twilight zone territory here. These people who claim they're fighting for Black Lives Matter, it's a lie. It was funny. I was showing my friend uh, the music video from Rucka Rucka Ali. Maybe, maybe you've seen it. It's dear, called Dear White People. At the end of the video, one of the jokes he has is uh, one of the lines of the song. It's, a, it's for those that are familiar, it's a parody song of Despacito. And at the end, he says, individually traded for hammer and sickle, go, uh, hammer and sickle, ghost of Booker T lies comatose and feeble. And then you see the, you know, the communists, you know, iconography, and you can see the, the Black Lives Matter fist or whatever. And I thought it was funny because that video is from three years ago. I think it's from three years ago. So we have known for a long time that at the core of the, the, the top organizers of Black Lives Matter, they, they, they're Marxists, they're communists. They've said as much. I think it's funny that you've, I think Matt Gates tweeted it out. Republican saying Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization and people are attacking him for it. It's like there's literally a video of organizers saying they're Marxists. Like they're, they're just they just straight up say it. Not every single person who supports it does. But I mean, if you support an ideology, like if you support, <laughs> you might not be a Marxist yourself. But listen, if you're lining up at a Marxist rally, I don't know what you want me to think about it. Anyway, the point is these people are insane. They believe they're fighting a revolution. So when a vehicle comes, you know, look, these young men apparently were scared because people were chasing them. So they're probably go, they're probably speeding, trying to get to safety. And the security guards believing they're in some kind of movie, some action fake reality where the government is out to get them. Undercover cops are coming and white supremacists lurk around every corner. They unload on some teenagers, killing one of them. When stories like this become prominent and then you see Provo, you know what I think happened in Provo, to be honest? where the guy runs up to the SUV and shoots the driver there. It's 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 the same mentality. It's this paranoid, delusional state that has infected the minds of these people. And I've been talking about it for a while. When they go around saying everything's white supremacy and everyone's racist, this is a paranoid, dare I say, schizophrenia. I've known in my life people with schizophrenia. OK, and it's it's uh, I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor, but for the most part, these people can't these people can't tell fiction from reality. They can't they can't tell the difference between their hallucinations and what's real. And so you end up with these people in the chairs going, it's a car, ah, pop, 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 and just mowing down some teenagers. And then you end up with some crazy dude in Utah running up to an SUV and shooting somebody. And what comes from this? Now you have people legitimately wound up and scared. And that's why I highlighted the first video. That video of the white woman, in my opinion, as I stated earlier, may actually be substantially more important than any of this any of this. Okay. Look, Chaz, Chaz Chop, whatever you want to call it, is stupid. 
it was a weird far left event, whatever you want to call it. It was extremist. It was violent. People got killed. and That's the mayor's fault. But it was isolated to this one small area. But stories like this start to emerge. Stories like Provo start to emerge. Stories like Louisville, where the guy started firing into the into the park. What do you think regular Americans are going to start doing? You're going to see St. Louis again. And now you're going to see what we just saw in this parking lot in Detroit. The woman pulls her gun and she says, back up, back up. The crazy thing about that video that melted my brain is the woman filming refused to get away. If you are threat, if you are threatening to somebody or if they're threatening you and they're crazy and they're telling you to get back, the woman with the gun is backing up while she says, get back and get away from my car. And the family doesn't do it. They just keep saying, oh, look, look, she's got a gun and they walk towards her. That to me was insane. You may you may be justified in, in filming and calling out the person with the gun, but we need to deescalate. These people are losing their minds. Everybody's going crazy. And that's what's scary to me, that the kids are dead, that, that, that the far left, that they're posting on Facebook saying white supremacists have been staging like long range assassinations. I am not exaggerating. It is it is like someone. Look, when I was younger, I knew a couple of people who were diagnosed with schizophrenia and some of they, they were very paranoid and they would get very angry, very angry. And I don't know if you've ever experienced somebody who ha- who suffers from this. But it can be scary. Uh, it can be really scary. And so, you know, I've had I've, I've experienced what people when, when they say things like, what did they say to me? That the government had put a microscopic camera in their food and they didn't realize it and forced them to eat it. And now it's spying on their insides. And when I would tell them, like, that's that's not that's not happening. I'm, I'm sorry. They would get really, really angry. No, I know what's going on. They're just, it's just, no, the government didn't put a microscopic camera in your food. That makes, that's like, makes no sense. Why would they want to film your stomach? They, 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 they just don't understand reality. Their brains are snapped, no longer connecting properly. And so now we can see it here. We can see in all these places. These people are all paranoid and wound up tight. And there's white supremacists around every corner. So they have to start shooting. Now you have regular people who are seeing the lunatics shooting and they're also getting wound up and becoming paranoid. The one should not have drawn a weapon on some lady because a lady got into an altercation with her over a door and knocking on her car. These arguments happen all the time, but this is what scares me. We're dangerously close to someone doing something stupid. So far, we've had a couple incidents where people have pulled guns on other people. But first, in St. Louis, when the family came out of their home, well, that's private property. You broke, you, 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 you entered a private, a private community. Some people broke down the gate. And the guy said, get off my property, you know, and he's prepared to defend it. He said he feared for his life. And I got to say, if he if he goes to court, if they end up charging with anything, is he just going to show the Chaz and show all these things and be like, when the group was going around the country, destroying things, shooting cops and killing people, I think 17 people have died. Then why wouldn't, why, 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 why do you think it would be unreasonable of me to fear for my life? She's going to say the same thing. I guarantee you they're going to ask why she did it. And she said she did everything properly. She told them to back away. She feared for her life. Things have been really, really crazy. Everybody's wound up and on edge. Will a court, will a jury agree? I honestly don't know. But think about what happens when you have so many people in this country that are wound up so tight, they're ready to burst. And we have record gun sales. What is it? 8.3 million guns sold since March. What happens the next time 
something like this. Some woman bumps into some woman. They start yelling. And it's a normal altercation. These things happen all the time. But then the one, the, the one woman follows her to her car because I, I have no idea how they ended up from the, the, the door of the Chipotle to the back of the woman's car. Hit it. The woman comes out with a gun just like this. And then as soon as, as soon as someone else in the family sees her gun, they draw their gun and point it. And now you got to shoot out. How long until something like that happens? This is why I'm saying people need to calm down. It's got me worried, man. You know that uh, we're, we're about to have a full buck moon, full lunar eclipse on, the, on July 4th. I bring it up because it's just like, is that, is that, is that a powder <laughs> keg moment where you're going to have a bright, bright full moon and then a brief period where everything goes pitch black, like literally the lights turned out? That just seems creepy to me. I don't know. I'm not superstitious or anything like that, but I've had some conversations with people who are like, it's sounding biblical, huh? A full buck, the full buck moon is July's full moon, where it's going to be, you know, maximum brightness. And there's going to be a lunar eclipse where Earth's shadow covers the moon. And then (laughs) you can't see it. And then everything's going to go dark. So I wonder what's going to happen on 4th of July. A lot of rumors. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. And I will see you all then. I'm sure many of you have already seen the video of this young far leftist woman saying, that if you have the nerve, I'm sorry, the caucasity, as she says, to say all lives matter, that she would stab you. And then while you're bleeding out, she said she would show you her paper cut and say my cut matters too. Because of this shocking video, she has lost her job. She is now blaming Trump supporters because of this. I'm sorry, Trump supporters oppose cancel culture. Now, to be fair, because we often see this. I see this from progressive leftists, many who are actually the, the you know good ones, like Glenn Greenwald. They mention that, oh, but now all of a sudden, where are, the, where are the Trump supporters to defend someone who was fired from their job for, say, criticizing Israel? And I point out, many of these people on the left will demand cancel culture for past offenses and then say harumph when it comes for them, which is why people on the right intellectual dark web types, middle of the road people will not defend them. Now, as for this woman who lost her job, obviously she should not have lost her job. I think it's so dumb. I'll I'll read you the context. We'll talk about it. But the bigger point here, all lives matter. Who really supports it? It turns out, according to some data, I believe it's an economist YouGov poll, more people like all lives matter than black lives matter. And that's really fascinating because If you were to live on social media or wherever it is this young woman lives, you would think the opposite. Apparently, according to some data, it's actually the African-American community that thinks all lives matter is better. I was at an an event in Cincinnati. I was live streaming and it was there was actually a large protest group of older liberal black people who were chanting all lives matter. And I found it really fascinating because it seemed to fly in the face of what I'd been told about the movement. But the reality is, and you'll learn this lesson for, if you pay attention. People are, are people regardless of their race. People should be judged based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And you will find that there are some black people who are conservative, some white people who are liberal, some white people who are conservative, some Asians who are liberal. You know, the point is we, we have clearly seen that race isn't a factor in what a person believes. Their character can be anything. And this brings me to this story now about this woman. And should she ha- have been fired and what she said? So the first thing I'll do, let's read the story, see what she said. And I'll break down this. You know what, man? She clear. A lot of people are saying that she was threatening to stab people. I think that's unfair. What, sh- sure, she said she would stab people, but it was very obviously meant to be 
an analogy, making a point that if you had a wound, she would complain that her cut is just as important. Let's, let's, let's read the story. We'll break this down. And I want to show you this polling data. Harvard grad blames Trump supporters <laughs> for being fired from her dream job at Deloitte after posting a TikTok saying she'd stab anyone who said all lives matter. I think I'm pronouncing Deloitte right. I don't know. The Harvard graduate who went viral for saying she'd stab anyone who told, told her all lives matter in a TikTok video has tearfully returned to the video sharing site to reveal that she's been fired from her dream job at Deloitte. Clara Janiver, who graduated in May with a degree in government and psychology, posted a TikTok video this week where she said angrily, the next person who has the nerve to tell me all lives matter, I'm going to stab you. I'm going to stab you. And while you're bleeding out, I'm going to show you my paper cut and say my cut matters too. She says it was a satirical analogy that was taken at face value when it shouldn't have been. I believe that's correct. When you watch the full video, she's clearly not literally threatening to stab somebody. Okay, she's making a point that many leftists make that right now, the people who are in need of support are black lives. And that's why they say black lives matter. She was making an edgy comment. I, I can respect that. And I don't think she should be fired. But I understand why people called her out for it. First of all, if you want to make edgy humor, you should know that even outside of cancel culture, edgy humor gets you in trouble. It can get you in trouble. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend she should, she, she should lose her job over this on, on, it, on the surface. But this is the bigger philosophical question. As someone who is a purveyor, as somebody who emboldens cancel culture, should she not reap what she has sown? And that's the bigger question. So while my, my personal opinion is cancel, cancel culture, and I don't think she should lose her job, at the grand scale, when you step back, you kind of got to let these people lay in their own beds. Am I going to intervene because she decided this is the world she wanted? You get what you ask for. You know, why would I come to your defense now? And to, to, to the bigger point, it's something I, I, I guess there are many progressive individuals you know, people like, like, like I mentioned, Glenn Greenwald, who I, I, I'm not a biggest fan of, but I respect in, in regards to defending free speech and calling out the fake news. I appreciate that he's, he's, he's breaking through the, you know, the nonsense. But when people like Glenn come out and say, you see, now that we're being threatened and our, and our professors, you know, are being fired for saying offensive things, the conservatives won't come to their defense. It's not an issue of principle, especially for me. I mean, I, I actually will defend them as I am, am defending her to a certain capacity. The issue is, if you are going to dedicate your life to destroying and tearing down my rights, then the last thing I want is for you, be, you to be able to keep doing that. Princip on principle, I believe you have the right to speak your mind and say your opinions, even if you oppose free speech, 100%. So that's why I actually will defend someone's right to free speech, regardless of what they're saying. Even if they want to take away my rights, I will point out, well, you have a right to your opinion, and I will counter your opinion with a better opinion. But when it comes to the larger population, every single Trump supporter, every single conservative, the ones who have been censored, restricted and banned, you expect them to come out and defend you now after all of these people have lost their opportunity to speak? I'm not surprised they won't do it. The video went viral and many critics called for her to be fired because of it. And Wednesday night, Jennifer returned to the video sharing app to blame Trump supporters for taking her job from her. Freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences, ma'am. I know this is what Trump supporters wanted because standing up for Black Lives Matter put me in a place online to be seen by millions of people. The job that I'd worked really hard to get and meant a lot to me just called me and fired me because of everything. I don't know if everyone's seen, but my Black Lives Matter videos have been circulating a lot. 
They were picked up by conservatives and spread and shared, and people were demanding that I be fired, which I just got the job I worked really hard for. I'm still not going to stop talking about uh, and defend Black Lives Matter. You can't take away my spirit and my devotion for human rights, she said. In a second video, she sobbed. Trump supporters took my job away from me. And while she was crying, she was saying things like, I am too strong. I am too. No. Okay. You are a child. You joined the mob and threw the bricks. And when the bricks came flying back, you went, help, help. I'm being repressed. Sorry. It's not how it works. This is the perfect example of that meme where you have, it's a feminist and she's shoveling opinions over a wall. And then when opinions come flying back, she says, help, help misogyny. It's exactly what this is. If you advocate for cancel culture, if you advocate for people being fired from their jobs and kicked out of their, you know, their homes or abandoned by their families, then when you get fired, it's what you asked for. Shouldn't you be happy? You're being held accountable exactly as you demanded. You threatened violence, even in jest. You see, this is why I tell you we must defend free speech, because I understand what the point you were trying to make when you said you would stab somebody and show your paper cut. You were trying to show the disparity between an in, a serious wound and a paper cut. But guess what? In the online world that you have helped create, irony, sarcasm, these things don't exist. Everything is literal. So that's all that matters. Your job that, you, that, liked, that, that they're scared. These corporations are scared of online controversy and they will fire you too. The only reason the left has gotten away with all of this for as long as they have is because conservatives don't actually engage in culture war tactics. They oppose the cancel, cancel culture for the most part. But now, lo and behold, I'm starting to see conservatives talk about putting together email lists and, uh, email lists and sending out mass messages and actually getting people fired. Now, it's happened a little bit in the past, but typically it's only the left that actually threatens these things. And so what ends up happening is these cancel culture people, they're bored, they have no jobs, and they have student activist groups and and activist nonprofits, and they'll spam a corporation or a job, Deloitte or whatever, saying this person's bad, they're naughty, fire them. And so the company says, we can't deal with this, you're fired. Oh, no. You mean to tell me Trump supporters actually made some phone calls and got you fired? I'm not even convinced it was Trump supporters. You know why? This story was all over the place. This story wasn't just being spread around by Trump supporters. It was on mainstream news websites talking about the extremist woman saying she's going to stab somebody. It was spicy, hot content. And news outlets could not resist. Ooh, she's threatening to stab people. Oh, no, here comes the extremist. And it came for you. So there's there's her. I don't even believe she's actually crying, to be honest. Like her whole shtick has been shock content. She's probably loving the attention she's getting. She's probably loving being an e-personality. The job I worked really hard for and meant, you know, blah, 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 got fired. She then accused Deloitte of cowardice and said she was going to be an indelible change in the world. Uh, I'm going to accuse Deloitte of cowardice too, 100%. If you were a company and you just immediately fire someone because of some outrage, you're pathetic, okay? I don't like the, the, the ideology she espouses. I do believe there's a bit of a cathartic release in watching her get fired, the comeuppance of those who would create this culture. But I'm just so sick of it, man. Just stop firing people. Stop firing people. Stop canceling people. Stop banning people. Just shut up. She's a dumb young person. Said something dumb online. She, it's clearly not a crime. You know, it's, it's a free speech issue. And she got fired for it. Well, you know what? You're not going to see me make any phone calls to this company and, 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 and defend her. I'm not going to do it. I'll talk about my principles, but, but my private business, sorry. She said, I'm too strong for you. Trump supporters just took my job away from me. I've gotten death threats, violent threats, and that's not okay. None of that's okay. She said, I'm too strong for you. 
I am too strong for any of you. All lives matter, racist Trump supporters. It sucks, but it doesn't suck as much as systemic racism. And there's the flip. Don't look at me. Talk about systemic racism. She says, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry you can't see that. I don't care. I'm not going to read the rest of her, her, her statement or whatever. So, uh, while many praised Jennifer for her stance against racism, she was bombarded with negative comments. Will liberal colleges and universities ever teach students that speech does not equal violence? One person said, there you go. And hers was borderline. I got she was making a joke, but if you want edgy humor, I'm fine with it. I get it. Dave Chappelle did a bit where he talked about buckshot. What was it? No, birdshot, buckshot, birdshot, birdshot, buckshot, buckshot. You may have seen the joke. He was talking about how you're supposed to properly load a shotgun and you got the warning shot and then you got the the, 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 the kill shots, and then a couple warning shots. And he even made a joke about literally shooting a guy in his house with a shotgun who then rises up and goes, oh no, he's on meth. That was Dave Chappelle making edgy humor. Of course, he doesn't literally want to shoot somebody. And Dave Chappelle was actually attacked by people like this, not her, but many of the critics attacked him for it. You don't get to slam edgy humor and act offended and then get mad when people come after you. So here we can see This is what uh, John Miller says. It's funny how she thinks Trump supporters did this to her as if they called up Deloitte and told them to fire her. You did this to yourself, sweetheart. You want to be a strong woman and all that. Take responsibility for your words. Cancel culture wasn't made by Trump supporters. Sorry. Moving on. I saw this thread. It's interesting. It's from Ryan James Gurdusky. He says, I have no idea why All Lives Matter is trending. But since it is, I thought it'd be a great time to share two polls from June 2020 by The Economist and YouGov. They found more Americans had a positive association with All Lives Matter over Black Lives Matter. Wow. Now that, that is interesting. Take a look at this first image. Do, do the following slogans carry a positive or negative association to you? Black Lives Matter is 52% positive, 22% negative. Blue Lives Matter is 36% positive and 22% negative, meaning most people are neutral on it. All Lives Matter, 56% positive. 23% negative. More people have a positive association of, with All Lives Matter. So when she comes out and says these racist All Lives Matter Trump supporters, oh no, oh no. You mean the majority of people? Maybe the reason you got fired is not because Trump supporters called this in, but because regular people or even leftists called it in. Yeah, only 23% view it negatively. So I know I hear all of the people complaining about All Lives Matter, but these are fringe activists. Regular people are probably like, yep, equality. We got some more images, so check this out. Do the following slogans carry a positive or negative association to you? Black Lives Matter, this is a different poll, I guess, says positive 48% and negative 30%. All Lives Matter, 53% and negative 23%. These are from, according to Ryan, June 2020, two different polls. In one of them, more people in this country have a positive view of All Lives Matter as opposed to Black Lives Matter. I don't, you can say whichever one of those you want. I don't think you should lose your job over it, right? But that's interesting. It goes to show that these, these, these fringe minority characters, I mean like ideological minority, it's, it's, it's a fringe fanaticism. They believe they're in the majority and then they're shocked. Oh, how did I lose my job when I said I'd stab somebody? That's, what do you, what do you mean? Most people don't want to hear it. Most people don't want to be involved in this. Most people want to be left alone in their house, sitting there, bark a lounger, drinking beer and watching the game. The last thing they want to be bothered with is your politics. So when you went nuts, you lost your job. Maybe there really is a silent majority. And maybe if that silent majority became a vocal majority, all of these leftists would be purged in two seconds because there's substantially more people who are tired of this. But unfortunately, they don't speak up. 
and the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Brett Weinstein has been talking about the unity party or, or the unity. I'm not entirely sure what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a, a strategy for getting an, a president who uh, a president and a vice president who are unified. I'm not going to go into the full details, but I just want to highlight this because he, he mentions the uh, hidden tribes more in common uh, graph study chart, whatever, showing that conservatives make up 25 percent of the population and progressives make up six percent and 40 percent consider themselves unaffiliated or independent. That means if every single conservative just spoke up and every moderate too, because you throw in the moderates and now they're at like 40 something percent. If they all just spoke up and said, no, the far left would lose in two seconds, two seconds. The problem is they're not, they're not speaking up. Well, we've seen it recently, the rise of regular people and some, you know, there's crazy weirdos that are going to come out on, on, on every side, but check this out. In fact, according to the last poll, the racial group who had the most positive association with the term all lives matter is in fact black Americans. In this in this graph, you can see associations of slogans, all lives matter. Do the following slogans carry a positive or negative association? When it comes to males, 54% female, 53 positive high school or less is 62 college grads and postgrads are less likely to view all lives matter positively. And check this out. This is hilarious. Postgraduates, 41% view all lives matter negatively. Well, there you go. Now, check this out. People who make $100,000 a year or more are more likely to view all lives matter negatively. Surprise, surprise. It happens to be the wealthier white people who are angry about all lives matter. Of course it is. Of course it is. People who make under 50K have a positive view of, of all lives matter. Perhaps that's who's Trump, who Trump is targeting. Poorer people regular Americans, the middle class, the working class. Who are the Democrats and the woke, uh, the, the wokenistas targeting? High profile post-grad activists who don't represent America. And maybe that's one reason Hillary Clinton lost. So when they do these polls, they're like, wow, looks like Trump's going to lose. And they don't realize that when you actually talk to regular people, they actually like All Lives Matter more. Maybe, tro- maybe Trump's strategy is to light up unaffiliated non-voters because he knows that they're Americans, they're patriotic, and they don't care for this stuff. But the, the, I want to get to the point that uh, Ryan brought up with this tweet. When you go by race, the most positive is actually black. White people have a 55% positive view of all lives matter. Black people have a 58% positive view. Hispanic have 47 and other have 40. I like how I would fall in the other camp, I suppose. And we can see that the negative view among black Americans is also the lowest at 16%. So who is this lady? Well, I guess uh, I, as someone who is mixed Asian, and she, who is of East, I believe, East Asian, would fall in the other, where you're more likely to see a negative view. She's also a post, uh, uh, I believe she's a college grad. I don't know if she's a post grad. I don't know what her degree is. So of course, She's biased against All Lives Matter, and she lives in a bubble. It's an unfortunate bubble because it resulted in her losing her dream job. Maybe you shouldn't go around making stupid, edgy jokes when you yourself have tried to get them banned. Now, I'm not saying, I don't, I don't know what her history is. I don't know who she's accused or what she's tried to cancel. The point I'm making with all of this is that she is a part of that group of people that agree with banning hate speech. Sorry, you just engaged in hate speech and threats. Registered voters, here's the very, very important part. Total registered voters, 53% have a positive view of all lives matter. Interesting. Very interesting. Registered voters favor all lives matter, huh? 
maybe not favor, but they have a positive view at 53%. They say, uh, uh, so registered voters total. Now, of Joe, I don't know what this means. They say total, but also voters. So are they saying unregistered people? What is this? So maybe it's registered voters at 50%. Okay. Check this out. This is what's really interesting. Of party ID, independents have a 50% favorable, uh, positive view of all lives matter. And Republicans have a 74. Democrats have a 40%. Trump supporters, 72%. Of ideology, liberals are at 32. Moderates, 52%. And there it is. I think I know why Trump does the things he does. He may not be getting likely voters. He may not be playing well to the polling system, but it looks like he's targeting moderates who fit, who have a favorable view of all life matters. It looks like he's targeting people who make under $50,000 a year, of which there are substantially more than people who make over a hundred. It looks like he's targeting moderates and conservatives who make up, make up a substantially larger voting block together than the Democrats, which makes me wonder, the polls say Trump is going to lose. Joe Biden is out fund fundraising Trump for the first time in these past two months. Maybe that's really good news for Biden. But I can't imagine. I can't imagine it, it, it makes sense. The reason for this is moderates and conservatives have more in common than, they, than either of them have with the left. So I've, I've pointed this out over and over again, for instance. People have said to me, that I must be right wing and all that other nonsense. But I was like, when have we had a policy debate? When was the last time we talked policy? When was the last time we talked about progressive taxes, welfare programs, pro-life versus pro-choice, border security? It doesn't happen. It's literally just Trump bad. So no, I'm sorry. Trump bad is not a policy position. It has nothing to do with left or right. Ideologically, on the political compass, I'm pretty far left. Realistically, I'm center left, moderate liberal. So when I see someone like Andrew Yang, I'm like, hey, I like that guy. Not so, not so much the latest things he's been doing. I haven't been following him a whole lot, but he seems to be just getting on the generic anti-Trump train. So I'm not a fan. A lot of his policy ideas I agreed with. Not all of them. I've moved right definitely on 2A issues because of, you know, everything that's happening. But I still find myself as moderately liberal, leaning left. When I look to my left, what do I see? An ideological religious group, intersectionalism. And they're preaching their dogma and they're, and they're talking of original sin, privilege type things. And I'm like, I do not, I do not want authoritarian religion and moralism, like, you know, authoritarian uh, morality policing. And I look to my right and what do I see? Well, to be honest, a lot of ineffective, do nothing Republicans, you know, complaining about things that never get done, having hearing after hearing where nothing happens. Meanwhile, everything's burning, burning down. So I, I, I don't care for the Republican Party. They don't do anything. I've said it over and over again. I said it like two years ago. What do they do? What are they doing? They're doing nothing. They, they, <laughs> they're just slowly losing, I guess. We'll see how it plays out in November. But Donald Trump is taking some actions now, which is uh, the, next, the next segment I have coming up at 4 p.m., apparently deploying federal protective services. This is a bold move. This is a bold move. This is activating federal authority to defend statues and monuments. Now, this, in my opinion, is doing something about the, the, the crazy violence coming from the far left. But let me just go back to that main point. I'll, I'll wrap it up. When I see, when I look to my left, insanity. When I look to my right, not a whole lot. Agree with them on some things like liberty, the constitution, freedom. I'm like, okay, I can respect those things. Those are very important. So you want to talk about right versus left wing. If you, if you believe, if, if these people like to say that Tim Pool is right wing, then you would believe that issues of free speech, constitutional rights are no longer left wing issues. You are straight up saying the left does not care for the country, for the flag, for the constitution. And I'm fine if that's what you think. 
And if that's the new left versus right, then what you're actually saying is people who like this country and and respect this country and want to see it do better versus those who hate this country and want to destroy it. I don't see that as a left versus right thing. I see it as a people who hate America and then literally the left and the right talking to each other to figure out how, how to stop the crazies who are burning everything down. But I suppose we will just figure out who's right come November. Unless, of course, I don't know, someone cheats and no one believes it and then it's just chaos. But stick around. Coming up at four, that's my next segment. We're talking about Donald Trump deploying Federal Protective Services. He's making a bold move here. That'll be at TimCast.net. And I will see you all then. The FBI has arrested Jeffrey Epstein's number one, Ghislaine Maxwell, and already conspiracy theories have run amok. I saw AOC tweet about this. And she was saying something positive, like, this is great. Good to see you're arrested. And I'm sitting here thinking like, rock on AOC. I completely agree. Glad to see Ghislaine Maxwell's being arrested. Let's just pray that they place, I don't know, no less than 800 cameras around her at all times, live streaming to the public. Otherwise, we know what's going to happen. Already, we're seeing all the jokes. You know, what, what are they saying? Ghislaine Maxwell didn't kill herself tomorrow or, or things like that, right? Making jokes about it. What I find particularly funny about the whole Epstein thing is that we, when, when Epstein got arrested, everybody said he's going to kill himself. Everybody. And most people were only like half joking. Now, of course, a lot of people weren't joking at all. But no, I really mean it. Like high profile people were half joking when they were like, I think he's going to kill himself. And then he did. And that was it. There was a funny viral meme where they said something like, when, when he eventually kills himself, do we riot? And it was a joke, but not really. Like people knew the system was corrupt. Well, now the story about Ghislaine Maxwell is getting interesting because this actually goes back to the firing of someone in the Southern District of New York. Check out, the, check out this story from the New York Times. Trump fires U.S. attorney in New York who investigated his inner circle. The president's move heightened criticism that he was purging his, his administration of, of officials whose independence could be a threat to his reelection. So this is, uh, let, me, let me read it. President Trump on Saturday fired the federal prosecutor whose office was investigating him, right? It was the dismissal of prosecutor Jeffrey S. Berman in the Southern District of New York. Now, Ghislaine Maxwell has been arrested. All of a sudden, conspiracy theories are running rampant. I present to you the two scenarios. Of course, on the right, they say Bill Barr and Donald Trump are finally going to drain the swamp. They are going after her and they're going to take down her and the Clintons and this big crony cabal in the deep state is going down. That's why. Ghislaine must be protected at all costs. Her testimony is paramount. It must not be prevented in any way. Of course, within this theory is that Berman was blocking whatever it was with Ghislaine. He was protecting them and targeting Donald Trump. Why? Because Donald Trump is trying to drain that swamp. That's, a, that's the gist of what a lot of people believe. I don't want to say everybody because, you know, everybody believes a little bit of something different. The left sees it the other way around. Berman was going after Ghislaine and Donald Trump and Bill Barr knew they were next. They knew that as soon as Ghislaine came out and was arrested, that Donald Trump would be implicated. And they're posting all these photos of Trump with Maxwell and Trump with Epstein. And the reason Donald Trump fired Berman was to stop him from using Maxwell to go after Trump. That's what they really believe. Or, or, I, I don't want to pretend like every single person believes this, but these are kind of just general overviews. The idea being that Trump and Barr intervened to remove Berman because they need to control the Maxwell situation, limit what she says, limit what she testifies, and make sure that she doesn't go after them. 
perhaps the reality is actually a little bit closer to the middle. Perhaps Trump and Barr are going to bring her to justice. She is going to start naming names. And perhaps the elites are all in it together, but are fighting each other. Maybe Donald Trump's involved too. I was, I remember reading and hearing a bit about this idea, you know, a couple of years ago, that what we're really seeing right now is not a hot civil war of the public. It's not uh, Trump fighting the establishment. It's the global elites fighting each other that they once were all in this together and fractured. I mean, look, Donald Trump's a billionaire, right? No, I don't know. I'm just presenting you some of the ideas bouncing around. But there is something interesting about this. As you know, the accusations made against Epstein and Maxwell have to do with trafficking. But something interesting was pointed out by this guy, Eli Honig. This guy is a CNN legal uh, analyst, former federal and state prosecutor. Here's what he said. SDNY just announced the Ghislaine Maxwell case, like the original Epstein case, is staffed by the Public Corruption Unit. I worked at SDNY and did trafficking cases. They do not run out of public corruption staff. What he means is public corruption offices. Unless there is some potential angle against a public official. There it is. This leads me to believe that the true, the, the likelier theory going around right now is that Berman was blocking some kind of actual moves to be made against Maxwell or that Barr and Trump don't trust him and that they knew they were going to make a big move against Maxwell. And this prosecutor had to be removed from his position if justice would be had. The reason I think that is that if Donald Trump and the DOJ were trying to control the situation, they wouldn't be involving public corruption. They right that could target themselves. If they really were intervening to try and control the situation, public corruption would be out the window. They'd manipulate the circumstances. They'd get rid of the the prosecutor who was potentially going to go after them. The fact that Berman was removed and now they're going for um, some kind of public corruption angle says to me potentially, and again, all wild speculation, complete assumptions. We have no idea what's going on. It says to me that the likelier of these wild theories would be that Trump is trying to drain the swamp that Bill Barr is going to go after uh, Gizwell. Uh, I'm sorry, Gizlane Maxwell, not Gizwell, mix their names up, and actually target some of these big cabal, corporate, whatever. Now, the reality is we just don't know. And the simple solution for now is what we know is that she's accused of being involved in Epstein's trafficking. But she was recently, uh, they, they, they say in the indictment, I suppose, that she was traveling around the world. She was in places like Qatar, and people want to know what was she doing traveling around all this time. Perhaps she was setting up contingencies, maybe moving around some, some money. We won't know for sure. And we don't know exactly what's going on. And all anyone can do is speculate. But the one thing I can say for sure, I bet the odds in Vegas, and I mean this figuratively, for uh, Maxwell killing herself are extremely high. Let's be real, man. What is the likelihood that we see another Epstein moment? Think about how crazy this was. They got Epstein. They had him locked up and they had sleepy guards and broken cameras. Are you kidding me? Seriously, how did that happen? If Bill Barr, Trump, or whoever, uh, I, th- I think Bill Barr was involved, uh, was, was running things at the time. If they had this guy, how could they not understand the, 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 the need for some heavy, heavy security? Which brings us now in the other direction. The left thinks that Bill Barr is in on it, that they're trying to shut him down. But I don't believe so because Bill Barr was out of the game for like 20 years. He was, uh, uh, I believe he was attorney general back in the early 90s and he was brought back in. So I don't see him as being involved and wanting to cover anything up because he wasn't here. It's hard to know for sure. Perhaps when it came to, to Epstein, they just royally messed up. 
They made assumptions about who they can trust and they shouldn't have. And then all of a sudden Epstein was found uh, dead. And you got one guy claiming that he didn't kill himself. At least that's what, you know, one guy's saying. It looks like he was strangled. Well, we'll never know. And the powers that be will, they'll make claims about what is true and what's a conspiracy. You'll see all of these journalists and media just start towing a line and saying, no, no, don't believe it. Don't believe it. But let me tell you something. We all knew it. Everybody was saying it, right? That when Jeffrey Epstein was arrested, he's going to kill himself. So uh, what are the chances now? You know, in my opinion, I would be... uh, I would be shocked if she actually gets testimony through, if she actually speaks, if she actually names names and something actually happens. I'd be shocked. You know, maybe we'll learn some hidden truths. I don't know for sure. There's already some interesting points being brought up. Asha Rangappa, who is super anti-Trump, I believe, said, uh, Eli, I think his name is Eli. I don't get the plea agreement with Epstein that immunized random unnamed third parties. How is that possible? I can't see how that could be a legitimate defense for Maxwell. Thoughts? Totally agree. That plea deal was unconscionable, and I've never seen one like it. And glaring evidence of the absurd deal they gave Epstein down in Florida, I also don't think it's enforceable, particularly by a non-party like Maxwell. Perhaps that's why they got rid of Berman. Perhaps they knew he was going to try and cover this up, defend it. I don't know. Now, listen, I am purposefully not going through all the lists of charges of Maxwell because I think most of you already know, and I want to make sure that YouTube doesn't suppress this video and have any excuse to do so. I believe, and I will say it right now, that Maxwell's not going to, uh, I know it's kind of weird to say, but I don't think she's going to make it. Was it a joke when we said Epstein was going to lose his life? To some people, like half, I say, I say half joke because everyone's kind of looking at each other's side. I'd like, (laughs) is it really going to happen? Oh, now, now I think we're, we're certain. Unless of course, Trump and Barr and anybody else who actually wants to get to the truth and actually wants to seek justice, surrounds this person with loyalists to, to stop anyone from coming after her. But who knows? What if the left is right? What if it was Bill Barr who orchestrated the demise of Epstein because they didn't want him to testify because Trump was in on the take? What if the reality is closer to the middle? It's not about left or right. It's not about Trump or Democrats. It's about the fact that all the rich people in the world were in on this game together. And now they're trying to make sure these people shut up. You know what? It's fun to speculate, but we just won't know. For the time being, I thought it would be interesting to highlight these issues and bring up the arrest of Maxwell. But uh, again, I don't think we'll know. I'm I'm certainly not going to know. And I don't think you or anybody else will. Of course, you're going to hear a lot of people who claim they know for sure. And people on the left are already claiming that Trump is trying to cover things up. But I think that's just silly. I think all we can really do is sit back and hope that we actually get some justice. But I'll tell you this. If Maxwell comes out and starts naming names and it protects Trump, the left won't believe it. That's where we're at right now. Same thing with the election. No matter what happens, the other side won't believe it. So with Trump in power, perhaps it's his opportunity. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, we got some good news and we got some bad news. The first, we got an official statement from the DOJ, West Hills man arrested on federal arson charge for allegedly starting fire in Santa Monica restaurant during civil disturbance, the DOJ has arrested another hardcore far leftists, vandal rioter, what I'm going to call them, extremist. This person apparently burned down a Japanese restaurant that was owned by some Asaki house. It was a family business. How insane are these people? I want to read you the story. But there's also some bad news. Check this out. State attorney confirms charges will be dropped against hundreds of protesters in Chicago area. 
That's right. Once again, the morality policing takes hold. Well, of course, their official reason for this is we just don't have the budget to deal with the with prosecuting all of these people. So because of budgetary restrictions, we'll be releasing them, said uh, Cook County prosecutor Kim Fox. That's right. You know her. You love her. She is the state's attorney who let Jesse Smollett go. So, yeah, morality policing. See, the cops arrested these people and now far left loyalist. I'm unfortunately not going to be able to prosecute these people because of budget reasons. Free them. Free them all. Welcome to the morality policing situation where certain people are allowed to commit crimes and get away with it. We got problems, man. We got real problems. It's happening in many, many big cities. Now I know I've heard all the the conspiracy theories about these district attorneys who are being appointed and the funding they're getting. And we can see what's happening. Intersectionalism, this fringe religion is becoming mainstream. And it means the proponents of this religion, the fanatics, the brown shirts are being given special protections. Keep it, pay attention. But let's talk about some good news first, right? They say a West Hills man was arrested this morning on federal charges, alleging he started a fire that caused substantial damage to the Saki house in Santa Monica. Micah Tillman, 19, was arrested without incident this morning by special agents with the, with the, with the ATF. ATFE it is, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. And officers of the Santa Monica Police Department. Tillman is expected to make his initial court appearance this afternoon in the United States, uh, in the United States District Court in downtown L.A. Tillman was arrested pursuant to a criminal complaint filed on June 25th and unsealed after his arrest. The complaint charges Tillman with one count of arson, a felony offense that carries a mandatory minimum sentence of five years in federal prison and a statutory maximum sentence of 20 years. Let me just tell you, the feds typically win their cases. Looks like they're going to win this one, too. These far leftists are getting arrested, rounded up, and they are going to be locked up, at least hopefully, because we'll see how these things play out at the state level. At least these people are being protected. New York City protected. Fort Worth, Texas protected. And now Chicago protected. The people who went out enforcing this ideology have allies in government who are letting them go. Welcome to the sad state of affairs in this country, right? They say uh, so in this story still, investigators at the Santa Monica Fire Department determined there was a fire caused by a red object that Tillman allegedly placed in the restaurant. Tillman was identified by detectives with the Santa Monica Police Department who reviewed numerous security uh, videos and social media posts. Tillman was also linked to the fire when investigators uncovered a video showing his white Ford Explorer parking next to the Saki house four minutes before the fire started. All right, so there you go. Dude's getting arrested, right? Well, on to the bad news. The examiner reports hundreds of protesters in the Chicago area will have charges against them dropped in the wake of national unrest that was sparked following the May 25th death of George Floyd. Cook County State Attorney Kim Fox said that while violent offenders, which include some looters, will be prosecuted, up to 817 protesters who had minor charges against them will be off the hook. And there it is, man. Your business is shut down. The economy is starting to recover, mind you. Five, uh, 4.8 million new uh, jobs have come back. Stock market's rallying. So it's, it's still good news. But they're telling us the 4th of July celebrations are tomorrow night and the following night. And they're saying, don't go outside. Don't celebrate. Don't celebrate your nation and what you believe in and what you care about. But the protesters, ah, they're OK. Drop the charges against them. Those 817 represent nonviolent offenses. Offenses that in some cases would be considered ordinance violations outside of the statute. So give them a fine. Fox said 
Also, they don't involve crimes of violence or allegations involving a victim. About 200 offenders will continue to face charges related to looting, which Fox plans to prosecute. At least you're getting that much. Fox cited a lack of budgetary resources to extend full prosecutions of minor incidents. According to Chicago's Fox 32, she cited the same reasoning after she made the decision not to prosecute shoplifters caught with less than $1,000 worth of stolen merchandise. The decision comes amid Cook County uh, Board President Tony uh, Preckwinkle's announcement this week to cut the prosecutor's budget by 10%. Listen, I understand their minor offenses, and I think in many ways nonviolent offenders should mostly get a slap on the wrist. But you can't just let all of these people go. You you know, uh, that's that's an activist strategy to overwhelm the system on purpose, and we can't have it succeed. Is it really going to cost you that much money to just enforce the minor violations, the fines or whatever? Now, at least she's going after the looters that I can respect. But will there be any penalty for these 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 organizations, these ideological government institutions that are defending the far left? Probably not. But maybe because it's not just Trump's executive order. Now we have this McCarthy to offer a bill withholding funds from states that don't protect statues. Okay, maybe something will be done. Maybe the Republicans will finally stop sitting on their hands and go and do something. Now, this is something I'm not going to pretend I I have all the answers. And I know it's a lot easier from the outside to claim that you should be doing something when maybe these Republicans and Democrats can't. To be fair, the Democrats are actually defending these people and literally getting on bent knee for them. So let's take a look at what the Republicans are doing. The Hill reports House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said on Thursday he plans to introduce legislation withholding federal funding for states and cities that don't enforce laws protecting statues and monuments. His announcement comes in the wake of nationwide protests against racial injustice sparked throughout the country following the police killing of George Floyd in May. During protests, there have been instances of demonstrators ripping down and vandalizing statues, this we know. But they mentioned specifically like abolitionists, quote, I'll be introducing legislation to withhold funding from states and cities where leaders fail to uphold the law. The mobs that Democrats encourage suppress speech and punish those who speak out, McCarthy told reporters on Thursday. Democrats encourage it because they think it is a distraction that their agenda can skate by unnoticed. They see it as as a supplemental to the radical movement in the streets. Top Republicans argue that calls to take down statues and monuments have gone too far, citing, for instance, some protesters who advocate for pulling down a statue of Abraham Lincoln in D.C. that shows a freed slave kneeling in front of the former president or the uh, or the removal of the four sculptures on Mount Rushmore. (laughs) They're literally calling for taking down Mount Rushmore. Let me calm down. In Boston, I believe they're actually going to be taking down uh, the statue. It's the same statue. It is the same statue. It is Abraham Lincoln standing with his hand like over a slave who is standing up and clutching a chain. This statue is meant to represent the slaves chains being broken and him seeing freedom and Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator, finally ending slavery. And the statue, at least in D.C., was paid for by freed slaves who thanked, who were thanking and appreciated Abraham Lincoln. Now, of course, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, and many of these people were still very, very racist. We don't got, we don't, we, 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 we respect them in spite of the bad things. We recognize the bad things. We call them out. We still recognize the good things. Listen, I come from a family history who knows full well occupation, slavery, torture, etc. 
maybe not necessarily in the same way, but my family, uh, a good portion of them had to flee. And we still lived in this country with no civil rights for a long time. And there are still challenges that my family faces. And we don't have any statues representing the struggles we faced. It would be nice, but whatever. I'm not going to complain about it. It would be nice to have statues showing the, 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 the reforms that granted civil rights specifically to my family in their history. But it's okay. I'm not going to go out and complain. I'm not going to launch a committee to advocate for the creation of such a statue. It's fine. I'm not going to pretend to know how these people feel because I think there is an, a good argument made about the statue in general. The idea is there shouldn't be a statue signifying that anyone needed to be granted their freedom in the first place, as if someone had control in the first place. But while I can respect that, that feeling, I can also respect who paid for the statue, who wanted it to be there, and what regular people, the average person, thinks about it. And you don't have the right to tear it down just because your feelings are hurt. So anyway, Kevin McCarthy, it's less about the tearing down of the statues and more about the vandalism. Perhaps now, with these people being released, we'll still see something at the federal level that will force these states to finally protect these monuments. The general idea being if they don't, they can't get funding. Trump said something similar with his executive order and the task force. They're going to be going after extremists in general. But the other idea was that if these states want federal funding, they have to agree to protect public property, statues and monuments, regardless, Confederate or otherwise. Trump actually asked to have one of the Confederate statues replaced, like put back up. And while pers- it is the funniest thing, it's like I have these left wing people criticizing me for saying this over and over again. Yes, the statues should come down. No, they shouldn't come down through violence. It should be voted upon. Look, I'll tell you what. You want to take down any statue anywhere? That's fine. As long as people vote for it. You vote for it. You agree to it. What do you want me to say? If, if everybody in this country voted and agreed that Mount Rushmore should come down, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to be like, no, 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 the minority dictates? Uh, sometimes it does. But for the most part, I believe that if the people actually go through a democratic process and make a decision, be it reform or otherwise, then we make those changes. We've gotten rid of things that are offensive. We've gotten rid of, rid of bad laws that were considered institutions of this country for a long time. So while we may look back at Mount Rushmore, and I would certainly vote to defend it, you may come to a point where people vote to remove it. I disagree with that idea. But hey, you know, Mount Rushmore is not a symbol of the Confederacy or slavery. It's a symbol to the good side of this country, the union, the, uh, who won. It's a symbol of the birth of a nation that won. We won and we ended slavery. Do you get the point? Maybe this will be some action that will actually put some pressure on the far left as these, these cities and localities release them. Well, at least Bill Barr is doing some, huh? Anyway, I got one more. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. Mark Zuckerberg is telling these woke far left boycotting companies to go pound sand. He's not going to change policies just because you're threatening, threatening him with a boycott. Mark Zuckerberg even went on to say, you know what? They'll be back. And everybody started clapping and cheering and he stood there nodding with his arms crossed. And all the conservatives were like, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg, you stand up against hate speech. What, a day after Facebook announced policy changes to quell the advertiser revolt? Okay, you know what? Spare me the story. Mark Zuckerberg, here's what he's doing. He's juggling right now because he doesn't know which faction is going to win come November. And he's, <laughs> he's worried about what that means. You see, we have this story here. What Mark Zuckerberg says and does are two different things. And I find it kind of hilarious. It is true. He did tell these big companies to go pound sand, right? He's, he's not going to change policies. And then he told people who work there that, you know what, they'll eventually be back. But this story is from just the other day. So what about this story? 
Facebook policy changes failed to quell advertiser revolt. What really happened is that the boycotts came. Mark Zuckerberg said, "Okay, okay, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to change some of the rules. And they said, we want more. And then Mark Zuckerberg said, you know what? Nah, I'm done. I'm out. Because maybe Mark realized there is no line. They'll come to you and say, we, we want you to ban this. And I'll go, okay, fine, I'll ban it. Oh, well, now ban this. Okay, I'll ban that too. Now ban that one. Sure, now ban these. No, okay, that's it, I'm done. I'm not gonna keep banning everything. And if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And there's no line, there's none. What they actually want is all the way to the far left. So far to the left, it's like up against the wall. And you're like in the middle. And so they're like right there. Now now move a little bit, now, now, take another step back. Okay, now take another step back. And if you keep going, eventually you're right there with the far left. Well, let's see what's, what's, what the latest story is. Business Insider reports. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg told employees last week that the company would not change its approach to, on hate speech, even with scores of advertisers boycotting the platform. We're not going to change our policies or approach on anything because of a threat to a small percent of our revenue. Woo-hoo-hoo. Getting spicy, small percent or to any percent of our revenue. Zuckerberg said during a virtual town hall on Friday, my guess is that all these advertisers will be back on the platform soon enough. He said, according to the information, adding that the boycott was a reputational and partner issue rather than a financial one, because most of Facebook's revenue comes from small businesses and not large brands. Bravo, good sir. I, I, you know, I, I appreciate what Mark Zuckerberg is doing here. You see, I don't appreciate what he did recently, where he said they were going to ban, you know, ads targeting immigration and stuff like that, because that's political. But I said this for a long time. When the adpocalypse comes from comes for Google or whatever, it was so annoying that YouTube would be like, oh, no, what do we do? We better just bend over. No, what you do is you weather the storm and you laugh. It's funny how powerful Facebook and Google have become, and they're still scared of a little advertiser boycott. Well, Facebook's not worried because small businesses drive Facebook ad revenue. That's good news for Facebook, I guess. I'm not a big fan of Facebook, mind you. But this is what was always funny to me. These big advertisers would go to YouTube and be like, I can't believe our ads would appear on this video. Google need only say, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're upset. You want us to change? Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to terminate your account so you can never advertise on Google again. And you know what those companies would say? I'll be good. I mean, that's a problem with, with Google's monopoly power. The funny thing is, Google flexes its monopoly power against us. And then says nothing to these advertisers. Google, when you got a monopoly, you got a monopoly. Okay? So they control the space where we can publish. You know, there's very few platforms where you can actually reach a large audience or make money. There are some good alternatives. BitChute, for instance, Mines. You can upload your videos there. But Google, instead of saying to the advertisers, go pound sand, you know, you know they, 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 they turn on us. They turn on us. They, they blame us for things. They demonetize our videos. It's been better. Mind, mind, mind the allergies. I keep itching. But it's been better recently. Demonetization seemed to have been going down quite a bit because YouTube's kind of cleaning things up. But at a certain point, couldn't Google just say to any of these companies? Here, here, here's what I would say. Here, here's exactly what I would say. If, if Coke or any of these companies came to me and said, we don't want, you know, we're going to pull ads unless you make changes. I'd say, if you pull your ads right now, we will never allow you back on YouTube, period. Think about what that means. And you know what they would have said? They would have said, okay, okay, okay. If you terminate by threatening me, we will, we will sever all contracts with you and you will never be allowed because they're a private, private platform, right? You know what that would mean for these big brands? See, they, 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 they were threatening Google. And instead of calling their bluff, Google bends over backwards. Well, Facebook isn't having it. 
But I'm going to pause real quick to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Biotrust. Very simply, Biotrust is a collagen supplement. It's a vital protein your body needs. It helps with your ligaments, your skin, your nails, etc. Check out healthwithtim.com or in the description below, you'll see the link and you can get 51% off while supplies last. Full disclosure, I actually do use Biotrust. I have it right here. I showed this the last time I did a promo. It's got cat bites all over the top. I find that very funny, by the way, because apparently the cats like it. But look, I'll, I'll level with you. I'm a 34-year-old skateboarder, and I'm very concerned about my knees. So I'm definitely grateful that I can get something, a product like this, which will help keep my knees, my joints, skin, etc., healthy. If you want to learn more, check out healthwithtim.com. Again, 51% off while supplies last. But let's get back to the story. They'll be back. That's what he said. They'll be back. And he's right. He's calling their bluff. They're not going to abandon Facebook. Facebook is like half of all digital ad space. They're going to come back and be like, I'm sorry, can I have my ads again? And Mark's going to be like, I'm doubling your rate. And they're like, that's not fair. I don't care. Then go away because we control the space. Now, mind you, there's still problems with that monopolistic power. Facebook saw $60 billion in market value erased in just two days earlier this week as major brands joined the boycott. But its shares have largely rebounded since then. I tell you what, man, I'm not, I don't hold any stock in Facebook. But if I was a, uh, a betting man, if I was going to wanted to own stock in Facebook, as soon as this happened, I'd have bought up. And a lot of people probably did laughing, saying, are you dumb? You think you're going to pull your ads and that's going to affect Facebook? Nah. And now they made a lot of money off of it. In recent week, weeks, civil rights groups, including the NAACP, ADL, and Color of Change called for advertisers to boycott Facebook following Zuckerberg's inaction on inflammatory posts by Donald Trump. More than 500 companies, including major brands, just Coke, Ford, Starbucks, Verizon, Adidas, Unilever, have pulled ads from the social media platform as part of the campaign. Not true. Fake news. Fake news. Coca-Cola, Verizon, and Starbucks, I believe, actually, and Unilever, I believe they all said, maybe not Verizon, they all said it was due to the polarization and had nothing to do with the, with the boycott. They said they wouldn't put ads anywhere. So that's not that's not true. On Friday, as the boycott gained steam, Facebook said it would attach labels to newsworthy posts from politicians that violated its hate speech policies, a significant reversal for the company. Facebook executives have also tried in multiple private discussions to address advertisers concerns. But those talks ultimately broke down with advertisers calling Facebook's efforts simply not moving and the boycotts organizers demanding that Zuckerberg personally attend because he is the ultimate authority. Zuckerberg eventually agreed to meet with leaders of the NAACP, Color of Change, ADL. They say ADL twice for some reason. Oh, okay. ADL rep Todd Gutnick told Business Insider. Zuckerberg's comments Friday suggest he may have already made up his mind, and he seemed to hint that the boycott might actually be backfiring. If someone goes out there and threatens you to do something, that actually kind of puts you in a box where in some ways it's even harder to do what they want because now it looks like you're capitulating. And that sets, a bad long, that sets up bad long-term incentives for others to do to you as well, Zuckerberg told employees, according to the information. In an email to Business Insider, a Facebook rep said, we take these matters very seriously and respect the feedback from our partners. We're making real progress keeping hate speech off our platform, and we don't benefit from this kind of content. But as we've said, we make policy changes based on principles, not revenue pressures. If Facebook holds firm, and refuses to give in. This could actually break the dam. Finally, you know why? These far left organizations that organize these boycotts keep winning and people keep getting scared. If Zuckerberg turns around and says enough and they lose, people will see their weakness. What's the saying? 
when you make God bleed, that blood will be in the water and the sharks will come and people will cease to believe in him. I think that was uh, Ivan Vanko from Iron Man 2. So they've come after Facebook and he makes the good point. These are both juggernauts. They want to take, take a bite out of Facebook. And if Facebook bled, then all these organizations would see the blood in the water and they would come for Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg's only choice was to say, no, we will not be bullied. And now these organizations, far left organizations, the advertisers are going to lose and they'll look weak. They'll look defeated. And then other organizations will start standing up and saying, I refuse as well. If you don't want to advertise with us, that's your loss. It's going to backfire on these companies, man. They're not going to be able to, uh, they got to put the money somewhere. At the end of every year, there's a major surge in ad revenue for online, for digital, because a lot of these big marketing departments have money left over. They're trying to find ways to spend the money to boost marketing. If they're holding that money back at the end of the year, they're going to begrudgingly be like, spend it all. Aw, Mark Zuckerberg knows this. Why doesn't Google know this? Oh, you want to hold your ads back from us? We know that you dumped the remainder of your budgets on December you know, 31st or whatever, or the whole month of December. So how about you withhold as much money as you'd like? Because come December, we're going to get it all back anyway. It's about time people start standing up to these outrage mobs, Zuckerberg included. Now, mind you, again, like I mentioned, he's still kind of trying to juggle because he doesn't know who's going to win. He, there, there were some, he, he's gone back and forth between the left and the right. And it's, it's fair to say that when you get a platform this big, both sides are going to make demands. Now, here's the issue, okay? When you have people come to you, Mark, and they say, just allow people to, to speak their minds. You've got people saying, let's have a neutral platform. People are going to argue, sure, give them the ability to block. Then you have the whiny children threatening to leave. Let them go. You cannot maintain a platform where you're like, I'm going to keep giving in to the crybabies because they'll never stop crying. Tell the crybabies to shut up and go away. The, the adults are talking and then watch them come back and say, I'll be good. That's what needs to happen. Hopefully this is that message. I can't say for sure, but hey, I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Or perhaps you will just come hang out at the IRL podcast, which will be at 8 p.m. live. YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. Either way, I will see you all next time.